0: Hi, everyone. I'm Jessica DeRuza. And this is the Trust Psyche podcast on astrology and depth psychology. I'm a psychotherapist, astrologer and teacher. And you can find me at TrustPsyche.com where you can begin studying astrology with me today. Thank you so much for being here with me. I really appreciate you. And I hope you enjoy this episode. We are coming to you from inside of our closet, it is super romantic, we have a candle lit so that we can see and there is a Moon-Venus conjunction in Cancer and I am here with my beloved Travis DeRuza and we want to talk about relationships today. The stars have aligned, this moment has aligned. And what I love about this particular moment is Mondays are our timeless days where we get to do whatever we want and have no responsibilities other than to tend to what brings us joy. And we are choosing to spend this Monday here with all of you because We are inspired, and we love this, and we love you, and I'm really excited to dive in right now into what is coursing through us. We will repeat the patterns of our parents unless we choose to do otherwise positively and negatively, we will choose how to be with that or not. I think that it's human nature and part of evolution to repeat the patterns of our parents. I think the majority of people on Earth unconsciously repeat those patterns i think that those patterns will be repeated unless we have the opportunity and decide to wake up and become conscious of the fact that there's even patterns at all which is the first step and then to choose what we want to do with that awareness once we become aware and of course that is an ongoing process uh, throughout all of life and throughout a soul's journey here on Earth. And what astonishes me and takes my breath away is the fact that we can see those repeating patterns in astrology. That we can see the epigenetics of human evolution passed down from one generation to the next through the birth chart. How is that possible? And when we sit with that, what does that do for us? Mm
1: -hmm.
2: It's astounding, as you say, Jessica. It's astounding enough just to see our own proclivities and personality and habit marked in the birth chart, and to see some of those same habits and proclivities marked in our parents' birth charts to think that we inherited those astrological signatures from them and not just inherited them but also grew up swimming in them kind of getting it from both sides it really puts this new spin on the nature-nurture question and saying yes you biologically inherited proclivities you astrobiologically Inherited signatures, and you'd lived in the thick of that and absorbed it from both sides.
0: Yeah, so you can see it in the nature, as in the um, epigenetics of passing on aspect patterns, but you can also see it in the nature of. DNA and in the nature of the way that energetic vibration seems to work which are these patterns of ways of being that by then nurture which is being in the relationship there's an imprinting that happens by living inside of that field of energy within uh, your home and and with your caregivers and the family members that are around and then it's also, yeah, becomes that relational nurture piece. And of course, as you say, because it's the water you're swimming in, it's often for us humans just taken for granted that the way that we're raised is the way that life is.
1: Hmm.
0: That's our conditioning, that's our unconscious beliefs, and something that both astrology and psychotherapy offer to us is an opportunity to question that and to have an opportunity to reflect upon it. And then also I believe to have an opportunity to then realize we have a choice on whether or not or how we are going to repeat those patterns. Some patterns are worth repeating. Mm -hmm. Some traditions are worth repeating. Some ways of loving are worth repeating. And then a lot of other ones are not. They're dysfunctional and cause harm and aren't serving.
2: And somewhere in between is just, you know, do you as a, as a free willing agent get to look at what you inherited and make that decision for yourself? You, do you get to make the call of whether it serves you and serves others, or it's something you want to leave behind? And it's not to say that there's some objective blanket judgment that can be made about all these patterns that might be inherited, but do you at least get to make the decision for yourself?
0: I think so often what I see in therapy is this reckoning around, oh my gosh, I'm doing things just the way my mother did, or I'm doing things just the way my father did, um, or whomever was there to take care of one, and it's this, like, kind of breathtaking, gasping moment, and I think Mm. that, you know, as we were talking about this yesterday on the beach, like. You were like, the first thing is you have to just be willing to acknowledge that that's even possible, that you can repeat the patterns of your parents. Like, just that is, like, do you accept that as truth?
2: Right. I mean, because in in many ways it runs countercurrent to our kind of individualist American myth of the self made person, uh, you know, that's been spoon fed to us in so many ways. Uh, through the media, through tradition and that, no, I am the master of my own destiny. The human is the measure of all things. I decide uh, who I am, how I want to act, how I conduct myself in this world. That's definitely a, you know, a, a civilizational moment, a, a kind of you know, something that wasn't always the case. We used, to, we used to embrace kind of tradition, what was passed down had more of a, a collective myth at in other civilizations at other times but yeah first do you do you accept that there are patterns that you've you've been saddled with outside of your choice before your choice before you were even a willing choosing being
0: and then if you do accept that as truth then are you able to go in and revisit that and ask yourself, how do you feel about that? Mm -hmm. Do you like that? Does Mm -hmm. that feel good? Is that how you want to be? Does that feel bad, Mm -hmm. right? And like, what what was your experience of that growing up? Like, did you like that way of relating? Did you like that dynamic? Did you like how you were spoken to? How did it make you feel? and that inquiry into what was actually your experience and how do you feel about it. And for me right there, you are getting yes into the realm of psychology, but you're really starting to get into depth
1: Hmm.
0: psychology, depth psychotherapy, Mm -hmm. where you get to look at your family, you get to look at your childhood, and then you get an opportunity within that space, to have your feelings and your thoughts and reactions usually very um, complex and layered about what happened. And I think that that is a fundamental requirement in that slowing down and revisiting that and seeing how you feel about it, to then have a choice about how you you want to do it moving forward. Hmm. And I find it fascinating that it seems like psyche and evolution is set up to just repeat those patterns, unless chosen to do otherwise.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And the fact that they're, it's going to repeat, <laughs> like no matter what, to a point, and then there also can be a choice. I find, a, I find very interesting. It's, it's a very interesting Saturn-Uranus dialectic. Mm-hmm. Saturn is the repeating of the past and the inheritance and the tradition and the patterns and the ingrainment and the conditioning and Uranus is that opportunity to wake up and become conscious and to choose and to ma- have change if you want.
2: Right. And so often folks will tend to fall off on one side or the other of this, you know, either yes we live in this individualist myth where we're totally self-created persons or you know as soon as you kind of wake up to the to the insight that we're talking about oh we are saddled with patterns there can be a tendency to go off the other side and say well it's out of my control mm-hmm. i'm g- i'm going to become my father and that's that there's nothing i can do about it you know but you're pointing out okay no this no this this sweet spot the really interesting place the tension you know in the dialectic is that neither one of these wins the day at the end, that it is a dialectic, that it is a tension, and that free creative space where our self is created or not created, where we Mm. choose to be who we are, Mm. is in between.
0: Mm, I like that. Yeah, that in between space that we can only get to if we slow down and tune in and check in again and again. And again, moment to moment, day to day, week to week, month to month, year to year, right? Like, it's got this own kind of slowing down cyclical rhythm. It's like a way to participate in the undulation of psyche unfolding. And then it's like waking up in that moment being like, oh, I, I have a choice. And I think that, Issa, my own kind of awakening healing journey is like, there's so many places inside where we don't realize we have a choice Hmm. because of our conditioning, because of the way we were raised in the family and in society and whatever um, cultural environments and institutions that you have been um, a part of and indoctrinated into as we all are, whether that is through our um, home country, our religion, our socioeconomic status, um, our skin color, like our gender, all, all of it. Um, we all are being conditioned to believe certain things and what I find both in receiving therapy and um, facilitating therapy is Actually, when we slow down, we realize we always have a choice about everything. And I think that's where our liberation lies, is being able to recognize that.
1: Hmm.
0: But there are so many layers of conditioning that we have to get through to even be able to get to that core place of realizing that. Hmm. And I think very few people make that journey because there's a lot of pain involved in it there's a lot of there's a lot of grief and pain in becoming conscious like it, it is a painful experience um the most rewarding experience i've ever had and continue to choose to have and that's the other part of it is like you could stop at any point mm-hmm Like, you don't have to keep waking up. You don't have to keep having choice. Like, it's okay. You can, like, not do that if you don't want to. And I get it. I get why people don't want to.
2: Yeah, it makes me think about, I've been saying this a lot lately, you know, when I was a little bit younger and on the journey of awakening, it just, it seemed like the most exciting, most thrilling thing more that I awoke, the more that I saw the world, the more that I saw myself, Um, and it just felt like a boon. It felt like something that I desired to go further and further into. And as I get a little bit older, I have a little bit more mixed feelings about about the awakening that I've done in the course of my life. It certainly caused me to be a little bit more lonely. I feel Mm. a little bit disconnected from the mainstream. I've had to have some difficult conversations with friends and family members. Um, The more that I awoke to what my truth was, the more it put me at odds sometimes with others who felt differently or weren't on a similar journey of awakening. and. It's a tough it's a tough road to hoe sometimes.
0: Mm-hmm. It sure is.
2: It isn't uh it isn't all the rainbows in the promised land that it kind of felt like at first brush.
0: Like in this kind of general sense of what enlightenment is, yeah. like if there is such a thing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, that it brings you peace and joy and mm-hmm. you know, divine awakening. And like, yes, it does. Like, I'm choosing my serenity again and again and again and again and again and again. And And (laughs) I'm also human and, you know, losing relationships hurt or, you know, losing community or those difficult conversations, which are more than difficult, they're Mm life-altering. There's a lot at stake. You lose a lot. There's a lot of loss in the process. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And I think the magnitude of the loss Saturn in the awakening of choice of uranus is something that's very under talked about Mm -hmm. and i think that contributes to the loneliness um because there is a different expectation of what's being promised and i just feel like anybody who's gone through this process would be able to say to you the truth of what it's actually like
2: yeah and there's a little bit something that uh feels a little bit fake, because, you know, as if you could awaken and go through all these crazy internal transformations and still just <laughs> fit in the way that you always have. Right. You know, and sometimes I feel this this dissonance. You know, I've, I've felt it in certain teachers. I've felt it in peers, where the message that's being spoken about awakening and going counter current if you need to, and casting off the world doesn't quite seem to jive with then this disposition that, Oh, but we could still fit in the world and just be normal people and be normal in our families and have friends. And are we really living into this? If, if the awakening is as earth shattering as we say it is, shouldn't it touch all areas of our life nothing left untouched all transformed
0: and I think that that magnitude of what you're speaking to isn't something that everyone is meant to do I also don't think everyone has the capacity to do that and honestly I don't know if we should be asking people to do that I think that's Mm -hmm. something you need to come to on your own in a willing way to choose that And
2: and to choose how much
0: Yeah, to choose how much. It's okay to have a limit. It's okay for Saturn to be there and say, you know what? I've done enough. Mm -hmm. I'm good where I'm at. I'd like to stabilize here. Or, you know what? That's too much for me. It's okay. Yeah, got it. Like, you get to be right right where you're at. As long as you know that that's a choice. Like, it's a choice Mm -hmm. that you're making. And I'm just going to keep returning again and again and again to choice. It's like, you can choose to do anything. But just, I want you to know you're choosing to do that. Right? It doesn't have to be that way. And I think that's where this Saturn piece of fatedness comes in. Like, we're fated to have the life we have, or we're fated to be like our parents. And it's like, well, yes, if you choose not to choose to change it or do it differently. And that is a choice. And that's okay, yes. But it doesn't have to be that way. But the Saturnian work that has to be put in to make the Uranian changes is immense because you're talking about going to the core of something and in that process as I said before it's usually a painful process filled with grief and loss to make that change and I'm just seeing in this moment how deeply interwoven the Saturn Uranus relationship is in the evolution of human consciousness and psyche and um Yeah, just that very deep polarity of how they always go hand in hand. Um, waking up is painful. Waking up is a choice. There's freedom and liberation, but it takes a lot of work. I mean, it's like you're talking about it, and it's just you're going, you're flipping back and forth mm. between the two. Deep cahoots, those two.
2: I keep going back as you're talking. I keep being reminded of this. Uh... Anecdote from my childhood: Two of my close friends, call them M and J. Um, and we were having this conversation that a lot of young people have, you know, about, as you say, will you know, will I, will I become my parents, uh, you know, am I, am I destined to repeat this pattern, or is it up to me, Saturn Uranus, and, you know. Jay said to Em, I think I'm just, I think I'm just becoming my father. I think it's just inevitable. This is, this is what's going to, going to happen, you know, and M looked over at him with, you know, a kind of fiery, you know, borderline crazed look inside, like, you just don't let it happen, man.
1: Mm. You know,
2: you just don't let it happen. Mm. Don't talk like that. Mm. Don't, you're already letting it happen wow. by saying this, you know, this kind of thing. Wow. And I felt, you know, and and I saw myself there, you know, poised between them, you know, these two representatives uh, of Saturn-Uranus, you know, and me kind of taking in the moment, trying to decide what I thought about it. And the part I've been reflecting on as you've been talking is seeing how each of their lives then kind of uh, continued to pan out. You know, this conversation happened in high school. Um, You know, we're all about 40 now. And M... His uh, his father died when between then and now, and it had a really big impact on him. And it really turned him in a little bit more of a traditional direction. Mm-hmm. The one who was speaking from the side of your honest, you just don't let it happen, man. After his his father died, he really took in how much his father had meant to him, um, and became a you know a kind of traditional family man. You know, took a kind of nine to five like his, his father did, and, and settled in peacefully, happily,
1: hmm.
2: to something that looked quite a bit like like what his his father had done. And that works for him. It's working for him. I look at him, I, f- I, I feel peace in my heart. I don't feel like he gave something up. <laughs> On the other side, <laughs> the irony is, Jay, who was taking the position of Saturn that, you know, I'm just going to become my father no matter what, he found out in his late 30s that the guy who raised him wasn't really his biological father. And that has thrown his life into a tailspin. It's almost like he, he would have happily become his father and accepted it, but he's been forced, <laughs> you know, to a reckoning about this question of who is my father? What am I patterned to become? What's up to me? What's not up to me? Just on a, you know, deep and, and literal level. So in typical saturn Uranus fashion, these two seem to have, you know, done a full reversal and taken on each other's positions in a way.
1: Hmm. hmm. That's
0: such a deep, rich sharing of just these real-life examples of, yeah, what that journey can look like. And there's no one way. And when we start out, on the journey we, we have no idea where it's gonna go like there's no guarantee of where it's going um yeah and it's often is filled with all of these surprises and twists and one thing it made me think of when you were sharing about um M's father passing is i've seen this with the chart is that when a significant death happens in a person's life whatever is aspecting saturn in the chart changes because saturn has this way through death and the Mm. loss of a loved one changing how that um energy is embodied and related to Mm. um yeah so it it, you see you see that often when somebody
1: dies Mm.
2: I see that in my own chart with the, mm. the death of my friend Garland, my Saturn-Pluto really changed the way it was inflected.
0: Mm. Do you want to share about that at all? Or like who, who is Garland and what does that mean to you?
2: Well, Garland, Garland was, uh, was my best friend in college. Um, he yeah, died in a, in a hiking mountain climbing accident. Two of us were together. Um. It was the yeah, it was the closest brush with death, facing of mortality that I had I had ever been through. Um, but it felt like after my friend died that he he lived in me in a in a new way, and he was a he was a you know, strong, good-looking, kind of you know a blonde. Uh, Adonis, you know, beautiful, strong male in the classical sense. Um, very charming with the ladies and, <laughs> you know, just an alive sexual being and.
0: Pluto rising.
2: Pluto rising, indeed.
0: Um, and that, you know,
2: I always admired that in him, and that was something that was more difficult for me as a young person, as a, you know, skinny little boy with glasses who, you know, wasn't athletic. Um, and you know wasn't necessarily you know charming uh, with the opposite sex but i felt like after he after he died i took on something of that in him and that it really transformed i felt like i had kind of classical christian hang ups around sexuality you know, that we could we could anchor in the in the saturn pluto of you know repression of the libidinal instinct, and I felt that shift and and open up and, you know, a new awakening of my own sexuality after he died that felt like a a channeling of his energy that felt like a a gift from him in a way.
0: Hmm. A gift that I benefit from greatly. (laughs) I'll take it. Yay, thank you, garland. <laughs> what does garland mean, do you know?
2: I mean a garland is a is a wreath. It's okay. a, you know, like that little headdress that Luce wears sometimes we yeah. might refer to as a garland. It's what you put on the Christmas tree when you wrap it. Okay. So it's, it's celebratory, it's um, hmm. It's kind of it's a, it's a crown of sorts.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, because you're born with that triple conjunction of um jupiter saturn pluto it's like the saturn pluto earlier on in life could show up as this sexual repression and shame and that connected into the religious upbringing of being christian and being catholic um there was a mix there for you, uh, but then the Jupiter Pluto very much is about the garland celebration mm. of sexuality, of life force, of evolution.
2: Yeah, that Dionysian kind of.
0: Yes. Force. Yeah. Force it's a of nature. Force of nature, exactly. Yep, and because your Mars is in there in a quadruple conjunction that most folks in 1982 were born with um that we got a lovely repeat of during the pandemic in 2020 uh, with the triple conjunction of jupiter saturn pluto and capricorn square mars in retrograde fashion right on the alignment of where it was in libra in 1982 which epigenetically you gave to our daughter luce sophia um please
2: no, that's great. I was just going to say, spell that out a little more clearly because it's a great example of what we're talking about.
0: Yeah, thank you for slowing me down because in my head it's all like, <laughs> ching, ching, ching. And I say that loud and people are like, I'm sorry, what was that?
2: I'm like, I live in it. And that was even fast for me. Like, okay, but... <laughs>
0: okay, 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 okay. Uh, what helped me? What do I okay, do? Okay,
2: so when, <laughs> when Travis was born in 1982.
0: Okay. When Travis was born in 1982, like a lot of folks born in 1982, so if you were born in 1982, you most likely had this alignment of Mars, Saturn, Jupiter, and Pluto in a quadruple conjunction. In Libra. In Libra. Because Mars went retrograde that year and made a really long alignment with those three planets. The last... That's the... The the, 1982 was the last time Jupiter, Saturn, and Pluto were in a um, triple conjunction until we were in the pandemic in 2020. So in 2020, it was Jupiter, Saturn, Pluto, and Capricorn, which is in a 90 degree square to Libra. But Mars also went retrograde that year, but it did so in Aries, another cardinal sign. So it was squaring the Jupiter, Saturn, Pluto, and Capricorn. But all of that alignment directly lined up for all the folks in nineteen
2: eighty two. So folks creating a T square with a, their natal alignment.
0: Yeah. So all the folks in nineteen eighty two were super lit and impacted by this alignment. And because we were, you know, beginning this at uh, this stream, uh <laughs> uh returning to the roots there of Roots de roots, uh, like epigenetics is when you see certain alignments in your natal chart shared with your lineage in both directions so that can be your parents your grandparents your great-grandparents but it also and it can also be your siblings for sure um, but also with your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren you see certain aspects passed down through the generations and that's what we mean by being able to see the epigenetics in the astrology
2: so at that moment in 2020, during the pandemic, our daughter Luce was born with that alignment with Mars square to the Jupiter, Saturn, Pluto. And so we can say she inherited the Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, Pluto uh, combination alignment from me. And not only did she inherit it from me, but it is in alignment, if we talk in terms of the synastry, with my natal alignment, her Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, Pluto square forms the T square with my stellium, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, Pluto, and not only that, but her Sun is there in Libra where my stellium is, and mm. my stellium is square to my Moon, which completes the the Grand Cross, mm. bringing Cancer, and so it's it's a very important. Uh, archetypal combination for both me and for Luce because it's in combination with our sun and our moon
0: and for you super astro geeks out there today that moon venus conjunction and cancer that i mentioned at the beginning the venus is at 16 cancer right now as we're recording this <laughs> is exactly conjunct travis's moon exactly opposite my sun and exactly part of the grand cross configuration that travis just said squaring luce's sun her mars and opposing her jupiter saturn pluto so it's very fitting that we're talking about all this right now mm. and that's a beautiful example um, of how all things breathe together and the stars align through these correlations and this enactment of god or the divine moment to moment is always happening and i think. The point is, psychologically, that those patterns, just like in astrology, are always happening. The patterns psychologically are always happening. They're happening with our family. The astrology is always happening, whether we are aware of it or not, right? We know this. Like, before we became aware of astrology in your own individual journey, it was still working, right? Like, when you go and you look at your transits from the past, you're like, holy shit, how is that happening? I had no idea. It's the same in our family system. Those patterns are happening whether we're aware of it or not. And then in the act of becoming conscious of it, like when we discover astrology, the same is true in psychology. It's like, oh, you become aware of it and then that changes the nature of the game. It changes the nature of the participation and the relationship because naturally when we become aware of something, what are we given? Choice. An opportunity.
2: An opportunity. To be involved in what's unfolding, to have a say in the matter, to be a co-creator, to participate.
0: I like how you brought in that James Baldwin quote. Um, It feels very fitting. It's one of my favorite quotes. Actually, when we were in uh, New York City, I think last fall, um, I came across this quote on a mirror we were walking through Brooklyn. It made me really happy. I took a photo of it.
2: Yeah, Baldwin published this in '62 in the Time in the Times essay. Uh, not everything that is faced can be changed, but nothing can be changed until it is faced.
0: My mom was born in 1962.
1: Mm, how about that,
0: <laughs> very fitting synchronicity. Love that. All the winks from the universe. Mm.
2: It's no, you know, and I, I like how that takes in, it really takes in both sides of this Saturn-Uranus dialectic, right? It's not, you know, you discover you have a hand in the matter, it doesn't mean all of a sudden you have 100% choice, and because you face it, you can change it no matter what.
0: Well, you don't have control. Right. You have choice, you still have choice, you just don't have control. You can't control the outcome, you can't control the other person, you can't control what other people do. You can't, you don't have any control over any of that, but you, I do think always have a choice. Yeah.
2: You have control over your own choice. Yes. You have control over you. You have control over, over your part in the matter.
0: And how you respond to it.
2: How you show up, the attitude that you take.
0: Like, you know, for example, if someone, um, has a chronic illness or receives a diagnosis of something that's terminal, like do you have a choice over that it's like okay when i'm not saying you can necessarily control that or not especially if it's genetic mm-hmm. but there's still a choice within whatever the experience is and i think this is very relevant relevant to what you said earlier with our families which is like <laughs> that what was going on in one's family that one's born into was happening before you were born, was happening before you were a person and definitely happening before you had any sense of agency. Yes. Right? So you're born into that. Mm -hmm. But then, at some point in the journey of being human, if you take the cues that are happening to wake up and see and be willing to face what is going on there, then you realize you do have a choice of how you want to respond to it.
2: And that opens up a possibility for change.
0: Yes. Um, yeah.
2: That can often be very difficult. And, you know, that wedge, that crack, you know, it's not necessarily large, but it's It's real. It's there. You can choose to do things differently.
0: I guess for me, it's like what I'm taking in. And this is definitely like very much my natal Uranus-Neptune conjunction that everyone from like 1985, 1986 had till about 1999, 2000. Um, I'm, like, going through a transit of a now, transiting Neptune as square my Uranus. I'm, after a very long time, a squaring my Saturn. And the Neptune-Saturn very much is, like, the dissolution of your worldview and your beliefs. And, like, a spiritual existential crisis of facing meaning and everything that you... All the constructs that you built about your understanding of life and reality and spirituality and all of that, if you choose to go there with that. Which I did. And in that deconstruction, there's a deep sovereignty and claiming of what you believe, what your truth is, from your experience. And letting go of all the things that are like, nope, 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 nope. It's very painful. Hard. even an awful experience. But then, for me, with the sequence of my transits, like, it goes Neptune then to Uranus, and this, this, like spiritual freedom and liberation and reawakening of consciousness in me and i feel i feel it and i definitely feel like i've earned it given what i how i showed up for the neptune saturn transit which is like a deep spiritual belief that we have choice and that our um our personal freedom matters and I think, sorry, I got a little lost in the weeds, but, like, I think what I am coming to is re-coming back to the astonishment, truly, the astonishment that we can see all of these patterns in the stars. Like, what does that mean about what Earth is, what this galaxy is, what this universe is, what consciousness is, I think, mostly, is, like holy shit consciousness says that if you wake up to the fact that there's patterns and you can see those patterns in the stars and then you could also see it psychologically and you can marry those two together like
2: what a tool i mean what a tool to be able to get that exteriorization and have you know these archetypes these archetypal combinations to kind of anchor some of these patterns that you're talking about and and get a little bit of objective validity, you know, and say, oh, okay. I see that pattern in myself. I see it in my parent. Oh, and what do you know? It's in both of our birth charts and I see it in a friend I have who's struggling with the same issues. And, you know, it just gives you a sense of I'm not just making this up. You know, there's, there's something I can hang it on. I, I I wanted to make a passing comment that occurred to me when you were talking about the Uranus Neptune. I mean, the same thing that we're saying about families you know and family of origin is kind of occurring on a macro level too mm-hmm. in terms of your generation
1: mm-hmm. you know
2: it's like a lot of times we, we connect this uranus neptune um to the millennials uh, I, th- I think it's kind of funny uh, like some people begin millennials in like 80 i heard the other day i don't feel like a millennial um no. and i don't have i don't have the uranus neptune i kind of feel like the Uran- when the uranus neptune comes in that's really what generationally you know marks the Millennials my my Saturn Pluto is much more I think, definitive of me being in that kind of middle place it's like okay the generation before is gen X um, Saturn Pluto doesn't go all the way back to the beginning of what people typically call gen X but in the same way that we're talking about okay can you wake up to the patterns that you're imbued with by your family you can also wake up to the patterns that you're imbued with by your generation you know and and what do you do that what do you do with that On that macro level, it's a similar question of awakening, creating a possibility of choice and change.
0: Mm. I mean, you're getting into some of the territory of the difference between the aspects you're born with and the aspects that you grew up during. Mm. And, you know, you're right there on the precipice, 1982, right before, you know, that Uranus Neptune. You know, you're born like three, four years out. So at the moment of the awakening of your imagination, essentially, and child psychology development, Uranus Neptune was a collective alignment right. that you got to have from roughly the age of, you know, three, four, until you went through high
2: school. Right, right up to my coming of age in, in the 90s yeah, it was cooking.
0: Yeah, I mean, you got to have the quintessential 90s. High school experience where being a white cisgender man was still really cool. Yeah. And really hip.
2: Kurt Cobain was our idol. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if he was exactly cis, but...
0: (laughs) Oh, boy. I mean, there's some debates and everything here. But, uh, you know, and it's like, you if you think about, and this is for another time, and, uh, okay. Uh, this is, this is for another time, but we'll we'll just mention this briefly. I mean, this is always my problem. Once we talk about (laughs) one thing, I want to talk about a hundred other things. It's a great problem to have. Um, this is why this is called stream, everybody. Um, I want to really focus on one day, a whole course on, Um, The transits that you experienced as a child to understand how your childhood unfolded. Mm. Because if we look at it through the lens of psychological development and timeline, like human beings go through certain stages of development. And that's a universal T- like timeline that we all go through but then the transits that one is having during those stages I think very much both correlates and deeply infuses and influences mm-hmm. through like, perhaps the nurture side of things how you experienced that time in life so all I'll say is, is even though maybe you don't identify as millennial I will say as someone who also doesn't identify as a millennial but probably is much closer to that. I mean, I definitely have a fluidity of consciousness that I take for granted, but you are an easy bridge into that world, and I don't ever experience you as an alien to that world. I mean, once in a blue moon, there's a little cracking through where I'm like, "Mm hmm. And we immediately address that, and I challenge you on it. And then you, you know, you come into the full Uranus Neptune <laughs> with me because that's your awesome nature. But you also keep me like really grounded in reality and, and to Earth and to the past and history. So, I mean, alchemical intimacy, everybody.
2: Take it. <laughs> well, and to, I mean, to astrologically fill out what you were just saying, it's like a way you could talk about it astrologically, is like, okay, yeah, that that timeline of, of universal human development, we can see in the universal transits, Yes. you know, that everyone goes through the Saturn return, everyone goes through the Uranus opposition, uh, the quadratures involved. There's a timeline of human development that we can map out vis-a-vis the, Saturn, the planet's relationships to themselves. That's a universal pattern. But the other planets involved, the particularities of your birth chart, will say such that Okay, if you're a Saturn-Neptune person natally, well, then your Saturn return is going to be Saturn activating Saturn-Neptune. You know, if you're a Saturn-Uranus person, like Jessica is, her Saturn return is going to have Saturn-Uranus themes. This yeah. This is just such, it's such a, yeah, it's such a poignant uh, su- subject of, of study to, to unfold there. How that that intersection of universal human development and the unique particularities of the individual
0: and we have three articles on the docket and that is the third one and I am so excited for it to come out because as we awaken to these things astrologically and psychologically you know we're doing our part to map it and be like holy moly there was this revelation of Uranus now let's document it with Saturn and I'm super excited to join you in the written form and I'm so grateful you have joined me in the oral form and I am so appreciative of you in all the ways
2: I wanted to mention one to bring it back to the uh, to the parenting yeah. thing um, just because we didn't unpack it with a bunch of examples but you know if I try, if I try to grounded in an example i think you know i can i could talk about my own sun neptune um, and just the sun neptune combination in itself there's there's a tension there between uh, the sun being one's identity one's ego and neptune being the dissolution of one's identity the dissolution of one's ego into a into a larger whole into a larger oneness so just thinking about that combination okay that's something That I've uh, I've worked with, I've struggled with to to choose myself, to assert uh, myself at times. You know, that's a first way we could use astrology psychologically. To okay, I'm able to anchor. You know, something about my personality, something that I'm working with psychologically uh, to choose self instead of being a pleaser, instead of being really accommodating to others. And then I can start to expand it and be like, okay. my mother, all you know, is also a, a sun Neptune. Um, okay, epigenetics of astrology. Uh, I inherited that aspect from her. But then I can go on to say, okay, well, how does she live with that aspect? How does she, uh, you know, perhaps struggle with similar things? And oh, what do you know? My mother struggles with the same thing. She takes care of everybody except herself. She is super mom uh, and takes care of everyone in our family. You know, to to her own detriment. She runs herself into the ground sometimes. And so I I received that from her astrologically. I grew up around it. It was modeled to me. Um, You know, who's to say which which plays more of a role? You know, The, the constant modeling of, you know, I look up so much to my mother. She's an amazing woman, and I've modeled myself after her but it's it's taken really some slowing down and some psychological awareness to see how okay this isn't always for my best interest this isn't always for everyone's best interest and then this the step further i want i want to take with it is it's not just you know what we've inherited from our parents and how we act but so much of that is how that plays out in in relationship mm. um, and so you know my mother you know shows up to relationship, you know, give, 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 um, you mm-hmm. know, and this is both of us as Sun Neptune people. This is you know something that both you, you and me, both you and I, yes, yeah. that we're that we're working with. Um,
0: Marry your mother, anybody?
2: No, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and in different ways, we both overgive to each other and have to <laughs>
0: yeah, absolutely, work, you know, yeah, work on that, yeah. and we, and we both
2: overtake from, you know, from each other, but I think just what? such such a, <laughs> when, have, when I ever? have I ever done that?
1: <laughs>
0: Five minutes before we got on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh-huh. for another I, episode.
2: I just wanted to point out how there's just such a rich area to hmm. think about how do these things then show up in relationship, looking at both of your parents, at both of your parents' charts, Hmm. you know, at their dynamics, at uh, what's been modeled to you. Yeah, it's um, about the modeling. And perhaps, like, you know, which role have you taken on of which parent? And it's going to be different in different situations, around different (sighs) aspects, around different issues.
0: Yeah, this just reminds me why the original opening of this podcast was, we are dreamed into existence. What What we we do with that dream dream is is up up to us. us. The what of the dream knows, knows itself, itself through, through the, the how, how. yeah <laughs> it's like and you see it the most clearly when you have a child because mm. you're literally co-creating the future with that being in consciousness and how you model your relationship and how you are in the home every day day after day moment to moment
2: it's come full circle. Full now you're the circle. parent. You're the parent. They're going to be looking at you through the eyes that you've been looking at your parents. And you through. know, you
0: want to talk about the evolution of consciousness, it always starts at home and you don't need to have a child for that. It starts at home with literally every single thing you do, every single thing you touch, how you do it as best as possible, as best as humanly possible mm-hmm. to align with the what? What do you believe in? are you doing it? Are you embodying it? Are you living it in the how? Whatever it is that you're creating, whether it's a business, whether it's a home, a family, a child, whatever it is. And this is why I love working with people in coming into greater alignment with those two things because in my experience, when that happens, life becomes so alive and dynamic and full and lovely as can be i think we all need support in doing that but yeah the what and the how
1: Mm -hmm. Uh,
2: that takes me to this uh martin buber quote that i love to i love to mention i can't even remember exactly but he said something like you know so many of the world's problems arise because we don't say what we think Mm. and we don't do what we say
1: Mm.
0: I remember when we first got together we came up with these different rules for our relationship
1: Mm -hmm. and that
0: was like one of your first primary rules. You're Mm -hmm. like, we don't play games, we say what we mean, and we mean what we say. And I was like, okay, okay, yeah.
2: And, and we do what we say. <laughs> and we
0: do what we say. Yeah, we follow through. We do what we say. We keep our fucking promises around here. And like, yeah, if we failed. We, we had we, we always and, fail. We always fail, right? And and then and 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 mistake and rupture and transgress, right? We're not talking about perfection. We're talking about human. But it's like then how we willingly acknowledge that take responsibility for it have remorse say sorry and do our best to do it differently and show you through my actions as love as a verb i fucking heard you that hurt you you don't like it let me try better again and again and again until we die
2: living amends
0: yeah living amends like hey hey, hey," you know fuck so many people have a hard time saying sorry so many people Mm -hmm. have a hard time being wrong
2: swallow your pride
0: Whew. It's like, yeah.
2: Oh, learn that one early oof, on, oof. please. <laughs> tell, like
0: no, tell loose that. <laughs> oh yeah, that's gonna be yeah, a fun one. That's gonna be a fun <laughs> one for our daughter. Oh, talking about, talking about uh, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, Pluto. I mean, will, willfulness, at a, at a, at a, at a, at a magnitude and force <laughs> that I have never seen. And she got it from both of us. She definitely got it from you. And a lot of the difference this time is we are tending so much to the best of our ability as her keepers to not shame her, not stop her, not not limit her, but have healthy, realistic boundaries to keep mm-hmm. her safe and also to keep us not in resentment and, like have agreements right mm-hmm. and as her little libra self continues to blossom as the sun does every day you get older you become more of the sun i see more of her Libran self thank the lord in all of those alignments and like she does want balance and she does want to be in relationship and she does want harmony and we're just all figuring out how to do that and i think this weekend that we had together um yeah it really showed me that
1: mm.
2: Yeah, and I think part of what's going on there is this slowing down, waking up, awareness, being conscious. You know, what say what we think, do what we say. Okay, and able to do that, you have to slow down and know what you're thinking mm. and then consciously say it and then look at your actions and be like, Are my actions in accord
1: mm.
2: with what I said and is what I said in accord with what I think and to bring coherence. Hmm. to to that whole thing and I think that's part and parcel of what we've been saying from the beginning of can we slow down can we wake up to the patterns that we were handed you know before we had choice Hmm. can we become aware of them see how they're already acting through us and then make a conscious choice about how we want to inflect that moving forward.
0: Yeah, and it's like a lot of, like, there's no shame in that, like, there's a lot of self-forgiveness. Like, we are Mm. who we are, we wake up when we wake up, you know, it's like, I don't even know if that's up to us, and Mm -hmm. like, that we're in control of that, and it's just like, and then when we do, then what, right? It's like, and then we do when we do as we do. and yeah it's a lot of self-forgiveness like we can't help who Mm -hmm. we've been in the past Mm -hmm. before we knew we can't help where we come from and i think that's where a lot of the grieving comes in and a lot of the pain and a lot of the facing and i think that it takes a certain mature healthy ego to be able to do that work and i just think that especially as far as like therapy goes you it's like if a person isn't there and ready to do that then you need to back up and do the things that Mm. come before that work of that kind of dismantling and reckoning and grieving before you can be like hey you know you want to deconstruct yourself in your life you have to be in a place in your journey to do that you know that's a whole other conversation Okay, well, this was stream 38 and I had such a lovely time with you here on May 22nd, 2023.
2: Thank you for having me, Jessica. Always a pleasure.
0: Oh, I hope you come back again real soon. Real soon. (laughs) Okay, everybody. I'm Jessica Drutza here with the truly marvelous... Aww. So loving and incredibly smart, Travis Tarutza. Thank you so much. And we will see you next time. See you then. We are dreamed into existence. What we do with that dream is up to us. How we dream is as important as what we dream. For the what of the dream knows itself through the how.